0: Good evening, my darlings, and welcome to Marley's Ghosts. It's time for another Dread Time Story. Now get yourselves all tucked in. Ready? Good. Let's begin. Tonight's story is The Last Man's Club by Robert M. Clutch. The property of the last man. Emotion choked the voice of the old man as he slowly spelled the words from the age-worn label, which still clung raggedly to a bottle covered with the dust of many years. A mist came before his eyes as he held the old wine up to the light, and a sigh escaped his lips as he placed it back on the table. And this was the end. A long table, with thirty-eight plates from which no one would eat, thirty-eight chairs which upon no one would sit. A lonely old man seated at the head of a lonely board, drinking to the memory of his friends, all of whom he had survived. How sad and how different from the joyous occasion which marked their organization this night sixty-four years before! He could just see it as it happened. Thirty-nine young men in the first flush of their manhood, clinking their glasses around a festive board, wild songs, gay pranks, and all jokes about the poor old last man-to-be. It was youth joking about time, hot blood and inexperience, ridiculing, halting footsteps and wisdom. He recalled how they had gathered around at midnight, raised their glasses high in the air, and had drunk to him. And now he was to drink to them. Drink of the old wine, which they had sealed with solemn rites, to take from the glass a delicious quaff and a sad memory as he toasted their names one by one. He recalled them all. The whole thirty-eight, beginning with active young manhood and ending with decrepit old age, as one by one in the different periods of their lives they had passed away. For five years, he remembered, they had remained intact. Then the first man died. There was a vacant chair at their next anniversary dinner, and a name was toasted in silence. Another lapse of time, then a second went, then a third. One had mysteriously disappeared, one had been murdered, two were drowned, three killed on the railroad, and one had cheated the aims of the club by taking his own life. And then came the War of the Rebellion. They were 27 when the great struggle began, but four years later, when it was ended, only 19 men answered to their names at the following anniversary dinner, and the memory of the others was toasted in silence. The role of the living grew smaller and smaller, and that of the dead, larger as year after year the survivors met. From young men they had slipped into middle life, and from middle life they had become old. And now he was the last man. He stopped. The clock had begun to strike twelve, The hour for dissolving the last man's club had arrived. He listened reverently until the last lingering echo died out. Then he broke the seal of the bottle. With trembling hands, he raised a glass to the tapering neck and inclined the bottle so that the crimson liquid bubbled out. He set the bottle on the Bible, held the glass up to the light and looked at it. Then he glanced down the long length of the table until his eyes rested on a vacant chair. For a few seconds he remained silent. A flush mantled his wrinkled cheeks. A light kindled his eyes. His bent form straightened up. He brought the glass down to the level of his lips, raised it again, and inclined it toward the chair upon which his eyes were fastened. Then in a voice trembling with emotion, he called aloud the first man's name. It was the voice of friendship ringing across nearly three generations of time, the voice of the last man toasting the first. The second man's name was called out, the same quivering voice, the glass inclined towards another vacant chair, then the third and a fourth, and two little spots glowed out on the old man's cheek as he drank. His eyes snapped and sparkled under his bushy white eyebrows. He became joyous and careless. He cackled and chuckled in mirth as he called out his old comrades by name. More than once he made reference to some joke that had been buried and forgotten in the dim past. The glass was emptied and filled again and again. The names were called out. Incidents were delved into from the forgotten past as the old man conversed with imaginary pictures of the men whose memory he was keeping alive. He stopped and strained his eyes. Why? Why, there's Joe, poor old Joe. See, Joe? I'm toasting your memory. Your memory, Joe. And there's Dick. Dick was killed at Gettysburg. Killed with his hands on the colors, but I'd know you anywhere. Know you even if you didn't have your uniform on. Here's to you, Dick. Here's to you. He stopped and began to sing a song in a low, cracked voice. It was a strange old song, one musty with flavor of olden days, with rhymings and franny sayings, The old man's voice rose higher, his eyes sparkled brighter, his cheeks grew more flushed. Suddenly his voice became husky, rose to a screech, broke to a whisper, and stopped. The bottle was more than half empty now, but still the old man kept at his solemn task. Now they were all toasted. Thirty-eight times he had raised the glass in the air. Thirty-eight times he had sipped of the old wine to their memory. Thirty-eight times he had called their names one by one. Thirty-eight gleams of joy and thirty-eight pangs of sorrow. It was all over. The last man's club was no more. A sense of sadness crept over him. He sat down in his chair wearily and uttered a long, drawn sigh. (sighs) His head dropped slowly on his bosom. Then the room grew dim, and he closed his eyes. A wild chorus, a confusion of familiar sounds, and a few bars of an old song awakened him. He jumped up, blinked in the light, and looked around. The song fell upon his ears like the melody of an old poem. It awakened a flood of emotion in the old man's soul that had him spellbound. He listened again. The sound came swelling from all sides, flooding his mind with reminiscence, which almost made him weep. It was their drinking song, sung with a full chorus before death had begun to step in nearly sixty years ago. He looked down the table, and gave a sudden start. He looked again. Was he dreaming? He rubbed his eyes to make sure. Before him, seated around the board, were the thirty-eight men whose memory he had just toasted. They were all singing, singing the same old song in the way he could never forget. It was like the voice of yesterday reaching into the present. He cleared his throat. throat, took a long breath, and joined in wildly with the chorus. He sang the song through and stopped exhausted. He fought for his breath, gulped down a draught of wine and rested. Then he glanced down the line of men seated around the board, looked at his own place and stared. It was vacant. His chair was empty. It was the only unoccupied one around the board. He could not understand. He looked again. They were toasting him, the last man. Weakly he staggered over to the table. With palsied hand he filled his glass as they did theirs, held it high in the air and drank. The sides of the room slowly heaved before his eyes. The table became an indistinct streak of white. The thirty eight guests blurred into grey lines, then everything turned black. His glass fell from his hand and crashed against the chair. He reeled and swayed for a moment, extended both hands pleadingly towards the table, smiled, then fell heavily to the floor. They found him there the next morning. The roll of the last man's club was complete. He had gone to join them. The... Thank you for listening to Marley's Ghosts with me, your ghostess, Deborah Marley. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Marley's Ghosts or send me an email at Marley's Ghosts Podcast at gmail.com. I do love hearing from you. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, visit my Patreon, where we have lots of tiers to choose from, each with their own special treats. Rate and review so our community of Dreadtime listeners can grow. Until next time, my darlings, sleep well.